Let's uh, go ahead and uh, start with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning humbly yet boldly into your very throne room to just worship you and to learn from you. And we thank you that you are a good father. We just pray for Pastor Ken as he's up uh, ministering to his family. And um, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the rain. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll start with a story this morning. Uh, There once was a man who was illiterate. He couldn't read or write. Well, he got a job when he was young at the railroad and saved his money. His his lifelong ambition was to educate his only son and send him off to college. Well, the son grew up, started college. However, while at college, he started to spend more money than he should have spent. So he got to thinking, what could he do to impress his father to send him more money that he wouldn't gripe about how much money he was spending at college? So he wrote home to his mother who could read and tell Papa that that dog Rover, the dog he loves, the dog he worships, that if he would send old Rover up here to college with $100, he had a professor up there that he could teach Rover to read. Well, the father went wild. Oh, man. I'll have a son and a dog that can read. So he sent Rover up to college along with $100, and it wasn't long before the $100 ran out. The son said, I need me some more money. So he wrote his mother again, send $200. There's actually a professor up here that can teach old Rover to talk. So, well, it came time that the son was ready to graduate. He didn't know what he was going to do. His father told everyone in town, my son's coming home tomorrow, and he's bringing Rover. Come on over. Old Rover's going to read and talk to you. So the train pulled into the station. The father was there in his best suit of clothes. People got off. The band was playing. Everyone was squalling. The old man didn't see his son. Look, look, didn't see his son. The son finally appeared at the last of the cars. The father went up to him and said, son, son. Where's Rover? Where's Rover? He said, Papa, I got off the last car because I wanted to share this to you by myself. We was coming along around a curve, me and old Rover sitting there. Rover's reading the paper, telling me the news. And then he lowered the paper down, looked over at me, and he said, I can't wait to get to your mama and tell her what I saw the maid and your daddy doing one time. Then the son started crying, saying, Papa, it just infuriated me, made me so mad that an animal that you and I love would tell such a low-down, stinking thing on you like that. And before I knew it, I grabbed him by his collar, flung him off the back of the train, he hit one of those cross ties, bounced and rolled down into a deep ditch. I just know it killed him. The father looked up and looked at his son. He said, son, are you sure that lion dog is dead? So there are many lion dogs in the world spreading lies about our Heavenly Father. Religion, false teaching, things like God's a mean, impersonal God. He likes to put sickness on people to teach him a lesson. He causes disasters to happen to judge the world, and it goes on and on. Take healing, for instance. Until the close of the 6th century, Christians widely adhered to the message of divine healing as it is taught in the Scriptures. Healing was always God's will, and that sickness and disease were satanic oppression, and should be cured in every case by means of prayer 
and invoking the name of Jesus. However, with the advent of Pope Gregory I in A.D. 590, the pure message of divine healing began to be obscured by Gregory's belief that sickness and disease were one of the ways God chastised his children. A.B. Simpson, does anybody know who he is? He's the founder of CMA, so Christian Missionary Alliance. He wrote, Isaiah 53, 4-5 is the strongest possible statement of complete redemption from pain and sickness by Christ's life and death. He further wrote in his book, The Gospel of Healing, divine healing ceases to be a mere privilege. It is the divine prescription for disease, and no obedient Christian can safely ignore it. Any other method of dealing with sickness is unauthorized. This is God's plan. This makes faith simple and easy. So with all these conflicting messages about our Heavenly Father, how do we know who the real one is? How do we get to know what he's really like? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, if I had to give a title to my message this morning, it would be Like Father, Like Son. That comes from a proverb, which means a son's character or behavior can be expected to resemble that of his father. The good, the bad, or the ugly. So, did anybody here grow up in the 70s? Born in the 70s? Yeah, 70s were kind of a rough time. So, um, got a couple slides here where we've got some kids impersonating their fathers. Again, good, bad, or ugly. So, the 70s were rough. <laughs> uh, spiritually speaking, there was only two families on the earth. The family of God and the family of Satan. Every person, regardless of heritage or background, belongs to one of those two families. Which family do you belong to? Who is your father? God or Satan? Now, the only way you can be delivered out of the family of Satan is to be born into the family of God. And that comes from John 3, 3, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Colossians 1, 13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son. You must receive Jesus as your Savior and be born again in order to belong to the family of God and call God your Heavenly Father. Once you are born again, you begin to grow spiritually as you get to know your Heavenly Father. Now, the number one way you become better acquainted with God the Father is through His Word. Smith Wigglesworth once said, I understand God by what the Word says about Him. He is everything the Word says He is. You see, many people want to get acquainted uh, through the Father Uh, or with the Father through experiences. And it's true, you can learn some things about God the Father through different experiences in life. But the number one way to get to know Him is through His Word. In the Word, we find out about the Father's nature and how much He loves and cares for us. Now, the number two way we can get acquainted with our Heavenly Father is through the actions of Jesus. Jesus said in John 5.19, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. You see, Jesus didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. So if we want to know what the Father's will is or what the Father looks like or acts like, then we need to look at the actions of Jesus. In uh, John 5.30, it says, Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. What does the Word say about our Heavenly Father? 
In the Gospels, Jesus always presented God as a loving Father. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And in John 16.27, it says, For the Father Himself loves you dearly, because you love Me, and believe that I came from God. Now, it was difficult for the Jews to understand what Jesus was saying when He talked about a Father of love. They had only known God as a God of law and justice, and that is one side of God. But Jesus was presented the fatherhood side of God, a side that the Jews never really understood in the Old Testament. He was presenting the very nature of the Father. For the Bible says God is love. 1 John 4.16 says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Jesus revealed God as a loving Father who cares for every need. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 and 26, it says, Do not be like them or the heathen, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. And in verse 26, it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. Notice the utter tenderness in this picture of the father caring for his children. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs and desires to meet them before we even ask him for help. Now the word family takes God out of a harsh religious context and makes a relationship with the father so real and intimate. And that's the difference with uh, Christianity between other religions. There's an actual relationship there that our Father God wants to have with us. We're a part of the Father's family. That fact has nothing to do in the world uh, with religion. Religion is harsh and cold, but Christianity is a relationship with a God who is a loving Father. Many Christians have a difficult time comprehending God as a Father who loves or cares for them. Again, a lot of times because of things that we've been taught in the past or heard, We have an idea that God's like a judge who sits up in heaven, looks for a chance to punish us the moment we make a mistake. Or if you grew up in a household where your father was distant or harsh, that's your father picture. And that can influence the way you look at your heavenly father. But no, God is love. Thank God for the Father's love, which Jesus came to reveal it to us. In Matthew 6, Jesus says more about the Father's care for His children. In verse 31 to 33, He says, So do not worry about these things, saying, Where will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Some people have been religiously taught to read the last verse, all these things shall be taken away from you. They think that if they put God first, they won't ever have anything. But that's not what Jesus said. He said the things you need will be added to you as you seek first the kingdom of God. That promise proves your Father's love and care for you. In the book of John, Jesus shows the Father's desire for intimate fellowship with his children. 
Again, He's not a far-off God. In John 14, 21 and 23, it says, Those who accept My commandments and obey them are the ones who love Me. And because they love Me, My Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal Myself to each of them. Jesus replied, All who love Me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home or abode with each of them. Now that phrase, make our abode, means the Father and Jesus will come and take up permanent residence in you as you obey God's Word. Here's a revelation of the Heavenly Father's desire to have continual fellowship with His child. Again, He comes and makes His abode with you. It's not a, you know, He doesn't come to visit. He comes and He stays. He doesn't come and go. Um, notice Jesus emphasized two points in John 14, 21 and 23, the verses we just read. First, he talked about our responsibility when he said we are to keep his commandments. Jesus summed up all the commandments in one when he said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you in John thirteen thirty four. So we don't need to be so concerned about obeying all the commandments of the Old Testament because the Bible says that love is fulfilling of the law. Romans thirteen ten. In other words, if you keep that one commandment and continually walk in love towards others, you will automatically fulfill every other commandment. The second point Jesus emphasized was the Father's love. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. John 14, 21. The great Father God is a God of love, and His very love nature compels Him to care for and to provide for His children. So being on being it's Father's Day, just think about natural parents. Most parents want the best for their children, don't they? And know how to give their children good things. Well, the Bible asks the question, if natural parents know how to give good things to their children, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to His children? Matthew 7, 11. What are the good things the Father wants to give His children? If you have a need, it's a good thing to have your needs met. For instance, if you are hurting it would be a good thing to be healed. The Bible says that healing is good. Acts 10.38 says how Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing is a good thing, and your Heavenly Father delights to give you the good gift of healing as well as anything else you may need. If that's difficult for you to accept, here's an important fact from the Word of God that you need to know. We can enjoy the same relationship with the Father that Jesus did when Jesus walked on earth. And that comes out of John 17.23, which says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. A lot of people don't know that and don't believe that. God doesn't love me. He might like me. He might tolerate me. God loves you. He's got a picture of you in his wallet. I'm his favorite, but he still loves you. So, <laughs> so um, let's see. So, God the Father doesn't love Jesus any more than he loves you. And just sit on that for a while. Meditate on that for a week. Walking in the light of that one truth will make all the difference in the world on how you live your life. For instance, since the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus, then you never have to be afraid of life's problems. 
Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? What can man do to a child of God whom the Father loves and protects? Well, they could kill you, but hey, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, right? So, the Father was for His Son Jesus, and He walked upon the earth, and He is for you too. In John 16.32, Jesus was telling His disciples, You're all going to leave me and be scattered. But even so, I'm not alone. My Father's always with me. And if Jesus could say that, so can we because the Father loves us just as He loves Jesus. In the face of any test or trial, you can say, I'm not alone because my Father is with me. If everyone forsakes you, still not alone because my Father will never forsake me. 1 Peter 5.7, the Amplified Version says, Casting all your cares all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him, for He cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. You should read this scripture as if your Heavenly Father is speaking it directly to you, and I encourage you to put your name in there. This is a message from the very heart of God to you. He wants you to put an end to worry, doubt, and fear in your life. Well, how do you get rid of worry, doubt, and fear? By doing what the Scripture says, casting it all upon the Father, abandoning yourself to His love and care. Having done that, make sure you leave your burden with the Lord. A lot of people like to take it back. When you've given your cares to the Father once and for all, don't pick them up again. God tells us something similar in Philippians. Philippians 4, 6, again from the Amplified Version, it says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. God is not an unjust Father. He doesn't command you to do something that you couldn't do. But what are we going to do if we can't worry? The rest of this verse tells us, in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Think what a difference it would make in people's lives if they could walk in the light of those scriptures. Some people go many places trying every way except God's way to receive deliverance and victory. They may receive temporary help, but they won't experience permanent victory until they practice being doers of the word. You will only experience victory by refusing to worry and fret about your problems and cares. Instead, take those cares to the Lord in prayer and thank Him for the answer. Your Father loves you. He's interested in you. If you will make your request known to Him and wait in His presence, He will help you understand what to do and give you the answers to your problems. How much your Heavenly Father loves you. Wouldn't you like to know Him better? Take advantage of the access your Father has provided to you through Jesus. and Get acquainted with Him through His Word. Commune with Him in prayer and be sure to cast all your cares upon Him. We are to imitate Christ as we imitate Him. We bring glory to the Father. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So again, I flashed up some pictures there of me imitating my dad. 
Um, but how awesome is it being a father to be able to take your children and to show them God and to imitate Christ and then they start to imitate you and by that they are imitating Christ. It's just an awesome um, thing that you get to do. Jesus did what he did to redirect people back to the Father. As we imitate Christ, we can redirect people back to the Father as well. We can walk in love towards others, accepting them where they are, but loving them too much to leave them there. Now, we can't fix people, but we can take them back to their Creator who can. It all starts with changing the way we think, or what I like to call killing lion dogs. So as the band comes forward, I'll close with this last scripture. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen.